Hey, this is Anat Perry, founder of Training Camp for the Soul. And if you're ready to grow, looking to grow, I challenge you to hire the coach that scares you, not the one that just resonates with you. And make sure to listen to Stories That Sell with my friend, Scott Ramage. You have the knowledge, the experience, and the talent needed to succeed. But in the day and age we live in, skill is not enough. Your story is the most powerful tool in your arsenal. This show will help you tap into that resource and learn how to leverage your message to gain deeper influence and build a lasting legacy. Tune in each week as thought leaders, entrepreneurs, and authors share how they've built empires on the backs of their story. You're listening to Stories That Sell with your host, Scott Ramage. In this episode of Stories That Sell, I chat with Anat Perry. Anat is a transformational coach who specializes in developing her clients' emotional resiliency and gaining their power back that was lost to, due to traumas and limitations that were learned. With over 16 years in developmental work, Anat has helped hundreds of people create the life they desire. Her deep work allows you to discover what you truly want, create a clear path to success, master being with your emotions and create a happier life. In this episode, we chat about belonging, being not popular and navigating early years as an immigrant from Israel, the power of having someone believe in you and learning to be comfortable with discomfort. Anat, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Scott. Good to be here. Yeah, it's, it's really fun because uh, I got connected to you from Angelo Cisco, who uh, has been, I've interviewed, I think I've interviewed him at least three times. If not, it's at least been two, but it feels like many because that guy just uh, has so much to share. So um, I'm really excited to get to chat with you with someone who's had an impact on Angelo's life. Yeah, he was actually right around this time, September, five years ago, he was one of my, he was the first client to do group retreat. So I had a group retreat with three men, Ryan, who's now his business partner. Oh yeah, That's how they, that's how they met. They met at my retreat. So I, oh, seriously? I had wow. like three alpha males, <laughs> you know, business owners, all three of them in the fitness space, a former military, I think Ryan is. And, uh, you know, I cracked them in the best way back into their heart. And um, I imagine your audience has listened to those podcasts with uh, Angelo now. And it's just so beautiful to see where he's at today. Yeah. 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 He grew up a really, we're, We'll get to your story. I'm really excited, but he grew up pretty hard. I mean, his environment was very hard. It was the tough guy type of type of upbringing. And um, man, he's cried on two two interviews with me, and he's very real. And if if you had something to do with that, I'm telling you that the impact that that those stories that he tells and the 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 uh, journey he's been on and and what he gives now 
through his real emotions is extremely impactful. So I'm guessing you probably have a little bit to do with that. Yeah. When he came to me, I'd say one of his biggest struggles was like, you know, his people were afraid of him and he's the biggest teddy bear, yeah. but you couldn't see that because yeah. he had such a hard shell on. I'm the one that, that cracked him open. I, I still remember the very first time I got him to like cry, like ugly cry, like Niagara Falls. And it was uh, actually, I had him repeat this declaration. I'm a gift to others. And when he said it, he just, he felt it. He knew because he is such a gift. Uh, and uh, he just, ooh, it was so beautiful. So, yeah. so beautiful. And now, yeah, now he knows it's, it's safe to cry. It's safe to express that way. It's beautiful to just feel the feelings that are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I actually want to, I want to, I, I just took a note. We're going to talk about declarations in the second half of this, because I think that those are so powerful when you have someone that helps you figure out uh, what that's supposed to look like. Um, we could probably talk about how they're done wrong too, which can be really impactful. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen that. Um, yeah. So let's, let's rewind a little bit. And, you know, uh, you're, you're from New Jersey. Is that correct? Born and raised? Born in Israel. Oh, okay. Totally wrong spot. (laughs) No, all good. Yeah. Born in Israel, but moved to New York and New Jersey when I was like seven years old for for the most part. Yeah. Grew up on the East coast. And then, um, just about nine years ago, left for the West coast and living in San Diego ever since. And, uh, Grateful for all, all the places and, and all the uh, learning and the growth from uh, being on the East Coast, for sure. So, yeah, uh, grew up in, in, on the East Coast and even just the move from Israel to New Jersey was really uh, huge. Um, I'd say for someone who's seven years old, traumatic experience to leave all your comfort your language, your, uh, your family, your friends. And, you know, at that age, we don't really have much understanding. Uh, it's, it it was a real shocker. Um, and it felt, I think years, not, I think I know years later in my twenties, when I started my journey of self-development, I, uh, I reflected back, I processed it and I saw that I stopped trusting my parents because of that. Oh, wow. You know, you're, well, your parents are like supposed, especially your mom is supposed to like protect you, right? Make you feel safe at home, all these things. And then to be, you know, pulled out of your, your safe environment and your loving environments and your friends and your home, and then brought to a country where you don't even speak the language. It was, um, yeah, it felt like, wow, I, I don't, I can't trust you with my safety. So um, but yeah, I hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's seven. I mean, that is an age where you're, you're, you are really kind of, uh, at a place where you, you're observant, you, but you're still really, obviously really reliant on your parents. So, um, why did your family move to the United States? Um, well, opportunity I'd say is one. And, uh, interestingly enough, my mom's health issues, she mm. struggled with asthma, um, in the younger years, in my younger years, and was like in and out of the hospital all the time. Um, Obviously, she also didn't know what we know today about the importance of our nutrition and what we eat that affects that. Um, And the doctor said, you know, you should move to Denver where the Mm. air is thinner. (laughs) 
but you know, you can't migrate in the 1980s to the United States and, uh, you know, just go to Denver as an immigrant. Right. Uh, so landed in New York and, um, we, you know, we never left the East coast and my mom ended up meeting someone that was into like nutrition and wellness at that age and got into supplements and stopped eating the things that she shouldn't eat that affect it. And, uh, yeah, that made the biggest difference. So funny what brings us here and then what it actually turns out into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to talk about like, just was there a culture shock beyond language moving from Israel to, you know, New York, New, New Jersey? Do you remember that? Um, I, uh, I don't remember it, but I, I'm, I imagine it was, I mean, it's a very different looking environment for sure. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think it was the lack of, of I think for, for my parents and for me of having family and friends around. So it felt, it felt lonely. It felt scary. Um, and, you know, we, it, it, it's also, I think the best decision my parents ever made um, it, it taught my, my older brother and I that you can step into the unknown and you could create a lot with that. And both he and I have this like willingness to just, uh, take bold steps in our life, make moves in, whether it's in business or in, in, in life, um, because seeing, uh, our parents, come here with nothing. And, you know, my dad built his own business up and, you know, bought multiple homes and just like that, that, you know, immigrant story, yeah. immigrant success story. So, yeah. So you're, so you move here when you're seven, obviously you have to like full inclusion, learning the language, learning the culture. Um, yeah. Let's, let's go from there. What else happened in your life that has formed you to the person you are today? Yeah. So I'd say, you know, there's a lot of struggles in my, in my early high school, junior high years um, of not feeling like I belong and, you know, definitely not the popular girl, definitely had people that like picked on me or girls that wanted to beat me up or uh, people that made fun of my name. And so, um, yeah, not having someone that like really believed in me and then not necessarily knowing that I could like speak up to my parents about that and have them affirm to me. So it more like I, I kept it really inside uh, until like I made a friend my junior year of high school that was popular and that loved me and believed in me. And it was so interesting how much just like having one person believe in you when you don't believe in yourself could give you that confidence where like I went into my senior year and I became friends with people that I wasn't even friends with in, in, in elementary school that I'd been going to school with since elementary school. Cause they're like, wow, you're so different. It's like, as if I suddenly matured and had that confidence and belief in myself. So, you know, a lot of it from there, I, I believed I could make friends and I had friends, but I just didn't, believe that like I belonged. And from that moment on, it really shifted for me, but there was a lot that I still had low self-esteem around. Um, there was a lot of struggles that I had with my mother and going into my, my twenties, 
um, th there was still that like lack of, of confidence in stepping into the world and like what I want to do in the world. And, um, and, and, and after now 17 years of being in the self-development space, I can share with you the connection to mom and dad and like what they modeled to me or, or what they didn't role model to me that had the biggest impact on that, that actually what happened in my teenage years, um, didn't have, wasn't the reason why I didn't have the confidence. It was not being prepared and not having it modeled to me from my most, from our most important developmental years, which is zero to seven, that didn't set me up to be able to face what was happening to me in my teenage years, in my early twenties. And so, you know, I think what I what I teach parents today is the importance of preparing our kids, like for them to have that resiliency, to know how to handle things when things don't go the way that that you hope that they go. You know, we could shelter our kids and 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 if we focus on like, you know, all the good things that we want them to achieve, like good grades, good friends, all this stuff, you're not preparing them for the real world because the real world has some, you know, some, some challenges at times. And it's those things that you want to talk to your, to your kids about. And so that's what was missing for me that my parents, my mom sheltered me, not her fault. She grew up, you know, sheltered in that way, being that her mother was the only survivor of the Holocaust. So you could see the generational trauma there as well. Um, and my dad just worked 16 hours a day running a hotel. So they weren't around enough. Um, they didn't give me the, they didn't prepare me enough for the challenges that life would hand me. I, I really had to learn it the hard way. And at the same time, like that's my journey. And I'm grateful for that journey because it's made me, uh, who I am today and, and what my purpose is today and why I do what it is that I do. So it was perfect. No regrets, no upsets about it. Yeah. I think so often there's, um, it's, it's a very common theme on this podcast of all the people I've interviewed They're like, talk about all the mistakes and all the, the failures and all the things growing up that really were kind of dramatic or, or trauma, um, induced. And they're like, but it's why I am where I am today. And I think um, it seems to me that the connection for success with all of those failures is actually making your own connection that those things formed you and, and, and putting, piecing those together. So, so you're in your twenties, you I mean, you're in high school, you're, you're kind of gaining your friends, you're getting, gaining self-confidence. Did you go off to college or did you move away from home? And what happened at that point? Yeah, I, um, I, I went to college in New York City, so I commuted to college um, and then I studied abroad for a year in Switzerland. Um, and that was, you know, that was a pivotal, pivotal year, because, again, uh, when you step out of what the American society is like and you expose yourself to different cultures. And I went to school with people from all over the world there. It it creates new, new opportunities for you, new, new thinking. There's, you know, 
different beliefs people have. Um, and so there's like exponential growth. So I always tell people, I'm like, if you have an opportunity to just like take time off at any age and like go expose yourself to something completely different, you're going to experience exponential growth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, we were with my, I took my family South uh, Africa, South Africa about three years ago. And um, we did a lot of service projects. We, we, you know, worked in schools and did some really cool things. We also got to do the whole tour. And the, but one thing that we did is we had a talk with someone they were talking about culturally before we started doing some of the service projects, we talked to, um, there was someone that trained us about some of the cultural things and it was pretty incredible. And I think back to how that formed my boys resiliency a little bit to people right now, because they're like, Hey, look, if someone says to you, you said, can you tell me where Martha is? that's the fat lady right there, or that's the old ugly lady, or that's the, that guy that, that walks with a limp. He's like, don't worry about it. It doesn't bother them. They don't take offense. It's just a descriptive of them and they're okay with it. They just don't take offense to it. And it's like this, my, my wife and I talk to them all the time and be like, you know, offense is taken. It's not given. So how you receive it, will, will help you operate if you receive it the right way. But it was so amazing to have the opportunity in another culture where they actually envelop that's enveloped in their cultures. They just don't take offense at it. Um, there's so many opportunities to learn abroad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so those were like my early college years. And funny enough, I wanted to major in psychology. I didn't want the eight years of school. <laughs> I never liked like traditional school. I always learned better experientially than sitting in a classroom being mm -hmm. talked at. Um, but I did get go to college anyway and uh, majored in finance and business instead, um, only to, you know, be led back into the world of psychology and self-development in my mid-20s, uh, which is when I first got introduced to self-development. What led me to it was really... Um, proving my mom wrong. My mom and I did mm. a workshop together and I'm like, she'll see I'm right. She's wrong. Yeah. It didn't go that way. Um, and, uh, yeah. And just stayed on the path ever since. Um, and, and the first eight years though, of my 17 years of self-development, a lot of it was cognitive work and I'm not knocking mindset work. It is super important, but what was challenging for me is that I became a person that had tremendous awareness, like so much awareness of the weeds in my garden, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But uh, the only tools that I had at that time were tools that trim it. Meaning I, I, I wasn't getting to the root of it um, where there's actually room to plant something new and see a transformed garden. And um, how I know that to be true, at least for myself in that journey. And I'm not saying that the programs that I did then didn't create any transformation for me or other people, but for me, I needed something deeper, um, is that after eight years of doing it, life didn't look any different. I was still very codependent. I was in a five-year codependent, passionless relationship where I was 
people pleasing and not speaking up for myself. I was still lost in my career hopping from like startup to startup because like in New York, you think, Hey, if I can make it here, I can make it anywhere. And we push and we forced. So I was operating from this like, go, go, go push, push. There wasn't really a trust and allowance um, to, to receive or to be supported by the universe. Uh, and I wasn't going after what I really wanted. So there wasn't confidence there. Um, I was getting in more and more debt and I just wasn't happy and I wasn't doing anything about it. So um, it, it was this like dichotomy of like, I'm so aware, I know so much, <laughs> but my life's, I have nothing to show for it. Yeah, And so it was just about just about to the day nine years ago that I hit my rock bottom that my relationship came to a sudden end because he met someone and I found the note and I approached him about it and you know all that stuff comes up and uh it was looking back the best thing that ever happened to me because I finally I finally fell off the cliff I finally stopped holding on to what wasn't meant to be and um, it was at that moment that I had a real conversation with myself. Okay, I'm living in New York City. I live with this guy. Now relationship's over. Where do I want to be? I don't want to be. In, I don't want to be in New York anymore. I don't want this job. I don't want anything that's here. And I fell in love with California about uh, when I was in college when I went to visit a friend. So that was the only thing that I knew. And so September 15th, nine years ago, I bought a one-way ticket. To California. And three weeks later, I was on a plane with $2,000 to my name, $40,000 in debt, no car, no job, no home lined up, no plan. Yeah, my parents were excited. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Mom, Dad is sorry, but I have to do this. And one friend. So I had one friend that moved back from New York to San Diego where she grew up and she was like, you can stay with me and you know, my family's here. And so that was my leap. And that was almost to the day, right? A month from now, nine years. Look at me now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm very happy. It's where I am now today. Um, But that, that was just the start. I remember having a conversation with God, the universe and saying, okay, so here I am almost 33 years old. Mm, I don't have anything to show for it except for now being in California. Clearly, I don't know what's best for me. So Jesus, take the wheel. Like I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let go of operating from where I operated from in my twenties, which is like, I know what's best for me. And being like, maybe I don't know what's best for me. And uh, and, and I still come from that now. Like I, I have a lot of confidence, a very strong intuition, but I, I, I make room there. I leave room even now for, hey, universe, if there's something even higher and greater and better for me, like I'm, I'm open. I'm not holding on to what I think super tight. And uh, it was in that, surrender to like God, universe, whatever you want to call it, like just show me the way that every day uh, I was guided. I was guided to uncovering where 
I still had a lot of healing to do where I didn't love myself. If I really did, I wouldn't have stayed in that relationship as long as I did. Um, I was guided to meet a group of people that then introduced me to, to a job that I had to home. Like within a few months, I had wow. all that happening, starting to, and it didn't come from me sitting on a rock and thinking and forcing it. It came from being in the unknown and allowing and, 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 and surrendering a lot, which um, is really uncomfortable. It is like, I'm not going to lie. People surrender is not comfortable. You have to learn to be with the discomforts that arise as you are sitting and waiting for the unknown to become known to you. And I think a lot of times what happens is we rob ourselves of that opportunity by holding on to something that's not meant to be until the next thing presents itself. And it, it doesn't work that way. Most of the time it doesn't. Sometimes it does, you get lucky, but um, you have to give space for, you have to be willing to let go and make room for that new thing to, to emerge. Um, so that was my beginning of my, of my journey. Of so how did you, how did you go through, you know, you went through your own process and, um, I think a lot of times real authentic people who are really effective at helping others have gone through those things. It's not always the case, but how long did it take you before you kind of, you know, you did this, you did what you did, then you moved to California, you got your job. How long until you started to really kind of dive into helping other people? And what does that look like? Yeah. So I went through three different metamorphoses, right? Three more huge transformations. The first one was realizing where I didn't love myself and that I was always dependent on others. And that was about three months into my move to California. And then uh, being introduced to plant medicine about six months later and thinking that that was healing me when it was really just opening me up to more things. Um, but, and, and, and I'm a fan, I'm a fan of plant medicine, but I'm a fan of plant medicine as a tool and not as the healer. Mm. And because what was missing for me is knowing myself and my body's ability to heal itself. Um, so, but, but it opened me up to a lot of things. It was my first experience of being in my body of realizing how much I, I've operated living in my head and not being connected to my body, my nervous system, my emotions. And um, there's a lot of us that don't even realize that we're not connected in that way. So um, uh, got led to meeting my mentor who is a body mind psychologist. And that was the deep work that I finally did of connecting the two. And when he met me, he said, you're different. You've done a lot of work. You have a lot of awareness. I was like, oh my God, so much. He's like, but you're here for finishing touches. I'm like, please. I'm because it's, it's exhausting. It could be really exhausting to have to manage yourself and not see lasting change from it. Um, and working with him, he connected the two. He was like, the mindset work you've done is great. And now I'm going to introduce you to the body and the somatics and how to work with the two together. 
And um, for the first time, I experienced what transformation feels like. And let me tell you, it's not a walk in the park on a sunny San Diego day. It's a walk through a burning forest and there's a dragon to slay. Um, and there was a lot, there was a lot of grief for me to feel a lot of heartache, a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of sensations that I never, and emotions that I never felt before. But on the other side of that, just four months later, I felt so connected to myself, so ready to just like, you know, uh, just so free, just like my inner child felt like she was stuck in a closet for 35 years. And now she was like, I'm free and I'm ready to play. Um, another example of that or metaphor for that is you think of, you have kids when they're upset, they're upset. There is no like getting them to play, but as soon as they feel through that upset, they're like, daddy, let's go play. And they forget it in history. And it's like, I'd been sitting with so much sadness and grief um, and pain from my childhood that I couldn't fully go and play. Hey, before we get started, imagine having a team of virtual assistants helping you out with everything from scheduling appointments, nurturing leads, processing payments, sending out marketing emails, creating content, managing your social media accounts, and so much more. The Ace for Gyms is here to make sure your business runs as smoothly as possible so that you can focus on what matters most, serving your clients. We offer a wide range of services that will completely run your business and give you the one thing everyone is limited on, more time. Check out our website at www.vasforgyms.com. That's V-A-S-F-O-R-gyms.com and book an appointment to find out more. It was at that moment working with him afterwards that I was like ready to leave my job that this had been about two years from moving to San Diego. So that was two years and just wanted for the first time in my life to give myself permission to just play Uh, instead of what we think, like go to school and then go to college and then get a job and then work and then figure it out and then figure it out and work and work some more and figure it out. And that was me going, going, going. I was like, I just, I just want to pause. I just want to play. And I quit my job, saved up money, bought a one-way ticket to Maui. And again, that was the next huge transformation for me. Spent five months uh, on the Hawaiian islands. And, and I call it my road trip with God. Cause I was really just like, Hey, I have no attachment to what's next to so show me. And there was so many miraculous moments that it solidified my trust in that I am supported by something bigger than just me and what I think. And uh, it prepared me for entrepreneurship. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So five months into it, I was like, okay, I'm good. And what I forgot to share is my mentor, the body mind psychologist that I worked with, when I finished working with him, he said, would you ever want to do what I do? He was in his early seventies at this point. Uh, he goes, cause you have a gift with this. And so I reached out to him while I was in Maui and I said, I'm ready to just mentor with you and learn a bit. And so I worked with him for a couple of months and then I just felt like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to hire some business coaches and 
and start my own thing. And that was uh, August six years ago. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, it's amazing story of transformation. What really sticks with me is the fact that I guess I would explain. I this is probably why you're really good because you probably talk to people like me. Even though you're talking, you're telling me a story, and I'm like unraveling some things. Right. A yeah. lot of self development that I've experienced has remained cerebral. It's it's all up here. Like I know the the things. I know the you know, I have a degree in psychology, understand human behavior. It's all cerebral. And, and, and it was that transformation of cerebral whole body releasing, um, that was really huge for you. Have you, so when you work with people now, do you see that same pattern? Do you see that like over, overthinking and not really releasing and getting to the things that need to be got gotten to at a deeper level? A hundred percent. And it's why I knew that I needed to do. I mean, I always, from when I started self-development was like, I want to coach. I do, Mm -hmm. but I, I didn't start my own thing for 10 years. Why? Because I didn't feel I had the right tools. I was like, wait a minute, if I'm not experiencing real transformation, then sure. I could give people good advice. I have great wisdom, great awareness. I could uh, invite them to, But as far as having the tools to really create lasting transformation, I was my first client, right? And (laughs) and it was at that point of experiencing such a difference after years and years, like I was 35 at the time. So it had been years of the work to, to know like, okay, I got some tools here that I know I could pass along and I could guide people through. And what took me 10 years, they could get in, in a fraction of the time. And so I knew that I had to, um, to, yeah, to, to take this bold step and to start. And when I started, I didn't do any marketing. I was still very, it's, it felt so vulnerable to me to, and I think it is vulnerable when all of us actually step into our true gifts. It's like, well, what if, what if someone doesn't receive this? What if I fail at this? Like I, if you looked at my track record of careers, it was failure after failure, but none of those were my gifts. (laughs) So I was still like, I don't want to, I don't want to market this yet. (laughs) God, if this is where you want me to be, then you're going to bring me those that need my medicine. And it was a, it was a, it was a collaborative effort (laughs) between the universe and me that I just went out and met people, talked to people, ran into people. I remember walking into a coffee shop. I don't even drink coffee, running into a friend there. He's like, it's my birthday. Come to my party tonight, going to his party, meeting his roommate and his roommate being like, what do you do? And having my, you know, one minute elevator speech and him saying, I've been looking for someone like you. And that's how I got started. And my first year I did six figures and I wasn't charging a lot of money, but I did six figures all through organic growth. Um, And so I knew like I'm in the right place because I was like, if this is where I'm supposed to be, then the people will show up. Yeah. I think that's such a a great lesson in how to build a business. I mean, so many people jump straight into the marketing. I love the, the networking thing. It's just so incredibly powerful and the ability to share what you're doing without, um, 
embarrassment or guilt because they're people, if you're really doing something that's transformational, like it's your duty to share it with as many people as possible. Is that kind of how you felt at that point? Like I've got to get this out there or was there still a little bit of that? I don't know. I think they call it imposter syndrome (laughs) and all of those uh, types of statements about, you know, worrying that you're not going to deliver or you're not living what you're delivering. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it just took off after a year, um, in a sense of the people that did my work, like Angelo referred me to, I don't know, like six, seven, eight people. And, and it spoke for itself. I mean, to this day, most of our business comes from referrals, which is great. And what I've learned is if you want to scale and make bigger impact, you also have to bring in the other types of marketing, which I'll be honest is still like foreign to me. We're still discovering that podcasting though is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite ways. And I think that's something else that I've had to really surrender to is like, there's so many ways to build a business and there's no right or wrong way. There's just like, what's your essence and what speaks to you? And I love being interviewed. I love podcasts, but I'm not the person that's going to be on Instagram all day long doing stories. Like that's, that's not me. And I've had, and and I've had this battle with myself of like, well, am I just not wanting to do it or, you know, cause everyone else that does it or, and I think we just have to surrender to whatever it, whatever feels good to you. You just do that and do it often. I think that obviously I love podcasting. I fell in love with it what, a year and a half ago. It's not like I've been doing it for a long time, but I, I'm several hundred, you know, interviews in. So one reason I absolutely love it is the networking and the market. It's a, it's a natural marketing machine. I'm not going to be shy about that. This podcast is called stories that sell for a reason. When you tell your story, I believe there's a whole nother level of authenticity and expertise that people connect with. They really, if, if, if the, if the guest is honest, people really see what it is you have to offer. So I'm glad you've talked tapped into that. How many podcasts do you think you've done in the last year or two? Oh, as a guest? I've, I've, I've kept track. I'm in the forties. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty significant. That's a large yeah. reach, a very yeah. large reach. Yeah. And, my, and now, and only in the past like two months have I been like, okay, I really want to like focus on as many podcasts as possible so that, yeah, my goal is a hundred by the end of the year. If I hit goal. it, great. If I don't, Okay. Yeah, I yeah. just have so much fun doing it. So it's yeah. a great way. Over a year ago, I was introduced to um, Gary V love him or hate him. And, and I actually, I don't know if you know who Gary V is, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. I have a love hate relationship with his stuff. I just, sometimes I listen to him like, really come on. But he, 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 he kind of coined a, it's a re- upside down pyramid or reverse pyramid content pyramid. And that's, but I've used um, for business is like, take one really rich piece of content, a podcast, break it into a bunch of little pieces and distribute it. And it's just incredible how telling stories and then breaking in pieces and putting it out there, people start to understand what it is you're doing. It's, it's another a new way of, of um, you know, just getting, getting your word out. It's a new way of marketing. And I love that you've engaged in, and um, really stepped into that. Yeah. So, um, Let's talk about, you know, business success because you were, you know, people could say you were, you were a 
overnight success, right? You move to California, you do this thing, but in reality, you look at the many, many years that built to that. So you've had a lot of learning and you've probably worked, I'm assuming you've worked with a lot of business owners. Oh yeah. A ton. Is it, is it? Yeah. Business owners, a lot of people in the fitness space, gym owners. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's so much need there? Uh, With business owners? Business owners and fitness. Oh, fitness. Um, Well, business owners or any entrepreneurs, I'd say, because, well, we're always seeking to to get better because you got to put yourself on the edge. You got to meet your next edge if you want to grow in your business. Um, uh, In the fitness space, I'd say I've worked with a lot. I I got introduced to a lot through through Mike Bledsoe, who is mine um, and then became my business partner because he believed in this so much and saw that it's a real big missing in, in the fitness space. Um, uh, there people in the fitness space are so committed to their, their, their physical well-being, which is great. And uh, what they bump up against is like your success in business. Yeah. You could apply the same things, the same commitment that you have, which is why I love working with people in that space. Cause they already know what the type of commitment it takes to become emotionally and mentally fit. Um, but the skills that they have are, they can't apply directly. They have to explore that. Like with Angelo, he actually used to own a gym. I think yep. he actually, he still does own it. He just doesn't run it anymore. And, you know, for him, he saw that like he cared so much, but his approach was still from his ego. It was still protecting himself. And so therefore his persona was like the dictator more than the leader. We used to talk about that a lot. He really wanted to learn how to lead from his heart as opposed to how to be the boss and tell you like, this is what you need to do because I'm the boss. Yeah. Yeah. He talks about that. And I love that, that story of his. Um, so what are some things like that you have learned and you've shared quite a few, but what are some things that you've learned, especially working with business owners that you, where you've seen real breakthrough, where you've seen their business take a new turn. So for our listeners, what are some things that they, you would say you need to really hone in, in this area? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. So I've, I've had business owners that sold their business afterwards because they realized (laughs) what had them. So, you know, (laughs) caveat here, (laughs) um, they, they realized that what had them go into that type of business or want to do that type of business was a part, was a wounded part of them and not really what their, their heart and how they want to like give gifts in the world. Um, but I've also had people, yeah, hit that level of success or leave, step down as CEO of a company and then go start their own companies. Um, so I've seen all of the above, um, uncovering like what is, if, if you look at, if someone were to watch your life like a movie, and they were to describe you in three ways from what they see all the time, what would they say? So something that is really important for, for those of us that have a team that are not just working by ourselves and dealing with clients, especially if you have a team and if you're dealing with clients, you could still do this with them, is interviewing them 
and asking them to be very honest with you because you're wanting to grow as to like, what are, what are my weak, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? And so you start to see that there could be one way that you have an intention of showing up in the world. And then there's the reality of how you actually do. So I did this in, in a uh, program that I did in my early twenties. Um, and the response from men in my life, and it, it wasn't business really. It was just like, personally, like, how do I show up? How do I come off? What are my strengths? But the question of like, how do I show up? All the men that I asked said, like, you keep, like, you keep me arm distance away. And I had one guy say to me, I'll never forget this word for word. I quote tough, harsh, like you could cut someone with a knife. And I heard that and my heart broke because my heart, like who, who I am and, and the love and how I want to give in the world was where I thought I was operating from. I didn't see this protective layer. I didn't have it with women though. I only had that with men. So it's really interesting. You could interview just people, you know, close people in your life, but I'd say, especially if you own a, if you're in a company, if you work with a team, whether you're the boss or you're just the manager or whatever role you're in, interview them. So they can give you that reflection of, well, I see that you're, you know, you don't, li- you know, I, I wish you listened more. Right. Or, um, I noticed that you you always say yes, like to start to see what's what's the identity that is not really you that you learned um, that you're operating in. Like, are you a people pleaser or are you the dictator? Like that was Angelo. And I had to he so thought that he was being a powerful leader. It was an ugly reality check be like, oh my God, no, I've been a dictator. I've been scaring my employees. I haven't been coming from vulnerability. And so um, that's an important thing to do. It's vulnerable and it's, and most likely it's not going to, you're not going to get, if people are honest with you, you're not going to hear what you think you're going to hear. You're not going to hear your true self. And like I, when I, when I heard that reflection from men in my life, it took me some time. Like I I really had to digest that and start to be honest with myself that at some point I learned this, um, that it's not safe to be vulnerable and I have to be hard and I have to guard myself and that men aren't safe. And, um, and to start to do the deeper work to open up and to release that and to soften, like for me, that that's what it was. Yeah. It's kind of like the term, you know, perceptual intelligence. So there's this, there's this level of intelligence we have when we're perceiving others. Like when you're really intelligent in perception, you look at things and you don't only like, what am I seeing? It's more of I wonder what is happening in their life that's leading to this. And and there's more to this story than I'm seeing on the outside. It's almost like you're flipping that and like getting other people's insight, but that puts you in a really vulnerable place as a leader. Yeah, it absolutely does. But 
you ha- and I and it was an assignment that I gave to Angelo actually I remember when he went back to his team I was like it does but it's going to it's going to give them an opportunity to speak what they've always wanted to speak that they didn't know they had permission yeah. to and then you start to have this open dialogue where you 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 can heal the relationships between people and you could form real real relationships and and real team and so even, you know, you're, you're married. Yeah. I mean, you know, this I'm, I'm engaged. Uh, I've been, Congratulations. With my thank yeah. you. We've been together next, next week will be four years and he's my growth partner. Number one, he's my growth partner. He's, he's the, you know, I choose him because he gives me the best reflections and some, and, you know, over the years, they're not, you know, they're not what you want to be shown, right, but right. if you are, if and when you're ready and open to grow, you want those people. You want the people that are going to be really honest with you because you're ready to finally face it. And here's the truth. Everything they say to you, remember this. It's not who you are. It's what you learned to be. And if you learned it, you can unlearn it. It's not who you are. You'll start to see whether it's like, wow, no, I learned to be this way because this is what my mom modeled to me. Or I created this identity as a way to survive what happened in my childhood. So have compassion for yourself that what they're showing you is not who you are. Who you are is just pure love. It's who we all are. And, you know, we have the courage and we have the, the, the capabilities to reach for the stars. Um, it's, it's really just that protective layer that we all learned. Yeah. I think that I, you would, I'm sure you would agree that 95% of the population is operating out of these stories that were formed from their upbringing and their experiences. And a lot of times those are just misaligned. And um, I really like that you bring up identity because I think a lot of people really don't are really misaligned in their identity. Is that something that you find quite frequently from the start? Oh yeah. Tremendously, especially, yeah. I mean, and not always in all areas, Sometimes there's an area that you could be super aligned in and -hmm. most likely that could be an area that was modeled really healthy for you. Um, But, you know, so that could be like in your, your career, maybe, you know, or, or your um, success academically that then led to your success in your career because your father always sat with you, did his homework with you, believed in you, put you in like the best, you know, schools. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of my, of my fiance actually, when it comes to that, cause his dad was like, you know, let's have an IQ test. Oh, you're actually gifted. Let, let's get you out of this public school and put you in the gifted and talented school, which then led to, you know, him going, you know, always enjoying learning, going to really great college to now being an executive at Microsoft doing what he loves. So it's like, you know, in that area could be great. And then 
I'm not going to use his him as an example in this, but like in other areas, it could be that um, there there's there's something that wasn't modeled too well. Maybe you weren't modeled how to handle stress well, and you know you turn to ice cream and um, you know and and a glass of wine every night to to unwind. So it could be anything from something small like that um, that needs an identity shift. Mm-hmm. to something large like like your relationships or your career a lot of misalignment i see for people in in their career whether it's um they follow their parents footsteps like i decided to major in finance and business because that's what my dad majored in i see a lot of people that are like why do you do what you do well oh my mom and i'll guess i'll be like let me guess your mom or your dad is in this profession yeah like how much we just go by what was modeled to us and we don't tap into like what is our truest gifts and our truest essence. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And a lot of stories of entrepreneurs are that shift from doing the thing that was expected or following in the family footsteps to actually realizing, coming to realization that this is not me and then doing a major flip you know, cause starting a business is typically a major flip from just kind of following, following the co- status quo, if you will. Um, so one question I really like to ask every time is if you, do you have a daily habit or something you, a habit or ritual that you do that you feel every person would benefit from? Mm, yes. And it's very, very simple. Cause I find that there's like many, I mean, there's rituals out there that could be like 15 minutes long to an hour long to two hours long. Right. So whatever it is, but, at, but giving people something that like at minimum, if you were just to do these few things that you could do five minutes, you could do it anywhere. You could do it while you're driving. So you really have no excuse. Cause we're always getting in the car, going somewhere or, or going for a walk somewhere. It's, we're going somewhere. So like using that time to do it. I, I coined this term, um, popcorn gratitude. Mm, yep. So, yeah. So a lot of times, you know, when we want to think about what we're grateful for, we take out our journal and we write it down, but that's very cerebral. I find for the most part, cause you're in thinking you're in writing. And so this is something that I do, which is like, um, close your eyes, unless you're driving, <laughs> if you're driving, you keep your eyes open and just allow things to pop up for you, to come up for you in your memories, whether it's an amazing steak dinner that you had, you know, or yesterday, Labor Day, right? Amazing barbecue that you had. Oh my God. Best steaks ever. Right. Um, or you think about, you know, the day you met your partner um, or like for me, my, my friend Tanya, who is the one person I knew in San Diego, like, thank God for her. If it wouldn't be mm-hmm. for her, I don't know that I would have taken this leap. And so it could be anything from like something yesterday to like the day you were born and being like, thank you. And so as these things pop up for you, like popcorn, you, you acknowledge it by saying thank you out loud. There's something really powerful in the vibration of saying thank you. And so just like popcorn, it starts out maybe really slow, like, oh, it takes a while to think of the next thing. 
And you just say out loud, thank you. Thank you. To then suddenly you can't stop it because all these little moments, you start gaining that momentum and you're just saying, thank you. 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 And it is a state change. You will get high off your own supply of thank yous. And, you know, when we're putting out thank you, into the universe, what we're saying is, is we're already, I mean, we're thanking for things that have happened, but, but by saying it now out loud, you're allowing for more things to come to you that you want, that you get to be grateful for and saying, thank you. And so that's my uh, popcorn gratitude. Game. All of I'll attest to that from the mountain time tops. I'll scream it as loud as I can. I started doing a gratitude practice, uh, over a year ago and I tried the journaling and I, and, and finally I just started on my morning walk and it's out loud. Yep. It's out loud. And yep. I, my goal was 10 minutes, like to do this, like free form, 10 minutes out loud. I, everybody within radius of me, when I walk every morning probably thinks I'm completely crazy. <laughs> I, I think you're high. You yeah. are <laughs> off your own supply. There's no better way to start your day. Because you, you can cut, you know, when we wake up, our brain is doing all sorts of funky things. I'll be in a twist just from, uh, from a dream I had or whatever. And it just completely reframes the day. But here's what I want to want to say to you, because this is incredible because now I do about 15 minutes and it's, and then I have to like just cut myself off. That's how, how addicting it really is. But the thing is, is lately I felt like it's become formulaic. So I'll kind of go through like a list, like it's always first with my wife, you know, and then, and, um, I've been really kind of like, how do I break this formulaic and make it more like just free flow? And I love that because I'm going to, I'm going to start popcorn tomorrow. I think that's incredible. I'm super excited about it. And, and, you know, um, doing it every day to start off your day is great. And then using it, especially when, well, you know, shit hits the fan in some sort. Right. I remember a client calling me up and being like, uh, I got to go back to the office. One of our machines broke, blah, 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 feeling, you know, I just hear it in his voice. Like his energy was all down. And I'm like, yeah. So on your way there, as you're driving, sounds like a good time for some popcorn gratitude. Cause you know, life at times is going to hand you things that you don't want to say thank you to. And can you, in those moments, especially remember all the times when the universe did give you things that you are grateful for. And so using it, uh, doing it every morning as a ritual, but especially using it in times when you feel like you're spiraling down. Yeah. 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 Go make some gratitude pop. You need some popcorn. (laughs) It's really, it really works your discipline when you're, you know, I'll be out there doing it and my mind will go right back to that negative thing. And it just keeps following, following and it takes some real practice and discipline to, to break through, but it works so well. Um, so obviously huge fan of that one. And I, I like, especially if you can focus on that when, when things just go awry, it's like, okay, I'm going to move my brain back into this. Um, so yeah, I have one more though, Good different practice that I find is important. And I, I had a, I was teaching for a group of men. Um, one of my clients, 
he he's a business coach and he invited me on to uh, share my wisdom with his group of men. And a lot of them asked, you know, I'm go, go, go. I run businesses. I have a family. I have kids. I have this, I have that, you know, living on coffee. Like I'm, you know, very high strung. How do I support that? And I said, let's get back to the breath. And yes, you can do breath work. And I hope that you do. But bringing it to every moment that you can. So everyone has time to take three deep breaths or 10 deep breaths. And I like to start with an exhale. Oh. Blow out from your mouth all that old shallow air so that your first inhale is really deep and it sets you off on that like 10, you know, 10 rounds of that breath. So anytime where you feel that when I have conversations, like as you are speaking, I am taking deep breaths. So when can you take opportunities to take deeper breaths? And to, and then the last part to support that is slowing down. I have to remind myself this, especially when I get excited and I want to talk really fast. I'm not really breathing anymore. Is to slow it down and speak on the exhale. Mm. <laughs> it's going to feel better for you. And especially if you're talking to other people, they're tuning to you. They're going to feel better too. Because when we talk really fast or we're high strung, the people around us feel that anxiousness. Mm -hmm. too. And so trust me, they'll appreciate you talking slower. Angelo. Oh my God. I sent him a video. He did a testimonial for me three years ago and I just found it and I sent it to him and oh man, how much that man has slowed down, but you feel the groundedness of that. And so we all have time to incorporate this in bonus. If you do, you know, morning, 15 minute, 20 minute, you know, deep breath work, Wim Hof or whatever it is, but we all have time to pause and do those 10 breaths. If you have kids, include your kids in it. Mm. Well, you're driving back from, you know, picking them up from school, wherever you're going be like, kids, you know what time it is? it's that breath time let's all do it together same thing with affirmations i right. get clients that are like you know when do i fit this in i go if you start to include your kids in it you're gonna fit it in and they're gonna remind you too and they're gonna use it too and it just becomes this thing so especially for those of us that are busy with business family all that it's even more important that we take a pause um have some popcorn gratitude, take some deep breaths. Yeah, that's really good. I, I turned off the, the Apple watch actually as a breath reminder, but mm -hmm. actually there's a lot of power in that at the pace it does, but it's mostly just the reminder, like stop, breathe. And I've noticed that uh, with Angelo having talked to him multiple times is it's a very slow, intentional cadence mm -hmm. and it, you really yeah. fall into 
what it is he's talking about. See, I'm already trying to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's my practice. I bring to podcasts. I'm not, you know, it depends how excited I am. Yeah. I'm really yeah. great at it, but it's one of the things that I bring to, uh, when I'm being interviewed is, can I make sure I'm breathing when I'm not talking and how much can I slow it down and know that, We'll get in what we get in for the podcast and people right. will, will listen to the whole thing if they feel more relaxed listening to you. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Last question. And uh, this one's be kind of hard, but if you were to be able to go back in time and share a piece of advice with yourself, what would that be? Mm. Your voice matters. Speak up. Others do care and, and will listen. And those that don't fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Your voice matters. Yeah. That's awesome. Anat, tell us about your, um, we, we know a little bit about your coaching services, but this is your time to share this with the audience. If someone feels like, wow, I'm sure many of them will, this resonates. I need to get a hold of Anat and talk with her. What's the process? Uh, yeah, if you want to connect with me and, and chat, you can find me on Instagram. I message every new follower because I want to wow. get to know you uh, and why the hell you're following me. Um, and uh, if you're interested in learning more about my work, trainingcampforthesoul.com. And we, you know, we run some free support stuff every now and then. So, uh, yeah. That's really great. give yourself an, a chance to explore and see if it resonates because I love helping people step into their fullest potential, their power, their heart. That's great. And that will be in the show notes as well. And not thank you very much for taking an hour and talking with me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Scott, for having me. And you for listening to the stories that sell podcast if you appreciated the content on the show be sure to leave a rating and review and subscribe to hear interviews with incredible guests each and every week